Warning! Warning! The following program will offend, annoy, anger, and enrage extremists, hate mongers, conspiracy theorists, Putin lovers, racists, religious zealots, killjoys with no sense of humor, douchebags with no sense of decency, overly sensitive liberals, overly aggressive conservatives, PC watchdogs, alt-right fascists, Tea Party lunatics, and haters of free speech. So, if you fall into one of those categories, turn away, turn away now. Phone lines will not be open. Alrighty, guys. Welcome, moderate, rational thinkers and lovers of free speech and comedy to the funny thing about politics, the show where we try to find humor between the extremes. Now, if the first 30 seconds of this podcast has already pissed you off, then this is not going to be the show for you. So go back to being outraged about everything from the American-hating NFL to comedy pinko shows like SNL and Will and Grace to libtard beers like Budweiser to socialist department stores like Nordstrom's and until you boycott all of American culture and have to move into a Unibomber shack in the middle of the woods, eating cold beans out of a can while listening to Alex Jones and NASCAR on your shortwave radio. But for those of you diligent enough to stick around, I am your benevolent host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Saurus, <laughs> humble servant of the people, broadcasting to you live, as always, from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce... My anthem kneeling, income tax stealing, statue reeling producer, the ketchup to my tater tots, the mayonnaise to my french fries, the tartar sauce to my fish sandwich, the, the soon-to-be, on AGT, we, <laughs> producer. That's cute. That's really cute. I do have one question, though. I have never seen you put mayonnaise on your french fries. Yeah, you know, I went back and forth on that with my um, fucking podcast integrity and was like, "Do I should I say that because I don't really do that with the listeners now? And now you've blown my whole fucking cover. I'm a fraud. This is fake news. I'm fucking kneeling right now. I'm a socialist. Go fuck this. I'm drinking some beer. Uh, no, but I have, I, I do know a girl who used to eat mayonnaise with her french fries, and it was the first person I ever knew who did that. And not only did she eat mayonnaise with her french fries, like, she would take one of those entire little squeezy packets of Hellman's and put it on one french fry. And that's how she ate that shit. I was like, oh, no. Well, I guess no. now I'm going to have to do it just to redeem myself. Eh, it's overrated. Uh, yes, so... Uh, there are 49 days, I believe, until my audition, and I can still sleep, so that's good. Um, but I'm starting. Reality to, hasn't hit you yet. Well, I am starting to get more headaches and the increasing feeling of nausea on a pretty consistent basis. I'm like, oh well, I've had that feel since like November. Well, yeah, I mean, all right, let's get um a co-host in here, a girl who kicks mad wisdom to phone pollsters and health delicate candidates in between vodka shots and dart competitions. <laughs> Fern, the still moist voice, heart. 
You know, all of those things that you said about me are absolutely true. And as far as I want to go back to the mayonnaise on the French fries thing, like I really want to touch yes, on that because this is an important political issue of our time. Damn it! Yeah, I think this is going to be a big contention because you know people say to frosty or not to frosty with your fries. Because I absolutely frosty. dip my fries in frosty. I found that when I was out when I was pregnant, and it was so delicious. Mm-hmm. But I actually mix mayonnaise and ketchup together and dip my fries in that. We call it glop, and we also put it on broccoli. So I think I just grow out and heard the click huh. of a bunch of listeners just completely tune out and say, I can't deal with this kind of nonsense. But Is that um, recipe more socialist, leftist, or libtard? I, I, look, I'm an inclusive person. I don't even person. know anymore how to tag every, everything that everybody's pissed off about. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm an inclusive person. I think you got to try everything once. But, you know, fries and mayo aside, I want to take an opportunity just to apologize for our president and on behalf of our country to Puerto Rico. I know some people who have family in Puerto Rico. I hope they're okay. But I don't think that a secret Obama cabal, Democratic cabal, is forcing the mayor of San Juan to be mean to Trump on Twitter. I think what's going on there is a travesty. They are part of the United States. They are not in the middle of the ocean. And I just want to apologize to anybody out there on behalf of our entire country for the horrible way that we're handling this situation. So I just wanted to get that out there. If the intro didn't piss people off, your betrayal has. You were supposed to honor it. I know. I know. It's just so flaking out on air and making apologies to Puerto Rico. Yeah. Americans, what? I support Puerto Ricans, and I support a mayo-ketchup combo on fries. So I don't know what political box you want to put me in for that. but um, Cuck-servative. Right. A a cuck-mayo-servative. Yes. Bring on the craft, baby. Let me hit something real quick before we get Christine in here, because I know I was kind of poking fun to Trump supporters or annihilating them, potato-potato, in the intro. But I am actually kind of asking a serious question with this NFL controversy and just so much TV. I mean, I went on the American Horror Story um, thread on their social media pages, and people were just fucking flipping out about their season premiere. And I won't dig back into that because we already talked about that. But Will and Grace, SNL, I mean, just so many products, restaurant chains that piss off these Trump supporters, they're becoming more and more self-isolating. Like, how long before they just have to kind of opt out of American society and become Amish? Because everything is libtard. I even made a little meme a while ago, like a little book with a sad kid on it that was like, everything libtard, learning to survive in liberal America. Like, they're just so outraged by everything. Yeah, everything. Just all well, the snowflakes calling snowflakes snowflakes. I mean, come on. That's just, I mean, is there really a whole lot more to say? Maybe they could do like the libertarians wanted to do and like colonize a state. Like I know the libertarians are pushing for a movement to like go to a safe space. They want a safe state. They want a safe state. Exactly. And and if you talk to some people, they think libertarians are liberals because they have liber in it. And I was like, whoa, wait a second. That's not that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. Liber and onions. 
No, yes, liver and onions in the, in the shape of the state of California. <laughs> ah, perfect. <laughs> you know, but you made a good point the other day, and I think it was a very cohesive point. You had said, hey, you know, the reason that Trump is coming after the NFL is because he has nowhere, like his base is just like this torpedo, and he has nowhere to direct this torpedo because Ann Coulter and Rush Limbo and all these guys are kind of jumping off the Trump train. So people don't know if they should be mad at them. And he's working with Democrats, so they can't be yeah. like, well, Nancy Pelosi, who Trump says is good now, so I love – like they don't know who to be pissed at. So before they turn on their Frankenstein monster, he's like, well, look at the NFL, how unpatriotic they are. So I think he made a really good point at how he's really just trying to point at like anger over at something that was formerly neutral. Absolutely, and Dylan Brody had made that point a few weeks ago um, that, you know, he needs an enemy, and I've always felt that way as well. And, you know, they, they we talked about it last week, the, their love of Trump versus their inherent hate and which direction do we split off, the being inside or do we stay on the Trump train? And the, the working with the Democrats confused them so much that – you know, there there really wasn't a whole lot to say. And then Korea fired up, and so now it's NFL and kneeling, and it's it's all deviate, deflect, um, look over here while I'm doing this over here. It's been very apparent since he came down that escalator to begin with. It's how he operates, how he works. And people just need to keep their eyes open and pay attention to everything. Now, I'm not saying you can't have an opinion on the NFL. I think kneeling for the flag is disrespectful. I absolutely, the anthem is disrespectful. I absolutely do. But I also believe it's their right to use that platform as professionals to speak their voice. And I respect what they're doing, and I actually agree with them. Now, do I agree in the way that it's being done? No, but I really don't have a problem with it either. I mean, what else do they have? So, you know, everybody mm-hmm. should be looking at this and say... You know, just let them have their voice, too. You can disagree, and that's your voice, but they deserve to have their voice, too. And these Trump supporters need to get on board with everybody having free speech and not just them. Yeah, and um, I know Dee's kind of chiming in here. we got to get this moving along. I'll make this last point. It was kind of an epiphany I have, and so many topics are like this. If you look at what's going on with the NFL, it's like, hey, there's a few guys kneeling, and then Trump comes out and says something inflammatory, and then 100 people end up kneeling or taking a knee. And it's like, hey, we don't like you taking a knee. All right, well, we're quietly still going to take a knee. And then we're like, okay, cool. Well, then we're going to boycott the NFL and try to hurt the NFL. Okay, well, we're still going to quietly take a knee. Damn, you're still not acting the way we want? Well, then we're going to drag your name through the mud and say you're a bunch of thugs and you should be happy that you um, have a job at all in the NFL, that you've been given this opportunity to make this money, and that you hate America and you hate the troops and hate the flags. Cool, we're still just going to quietly take a knee. All right, well then, we're going to fucking try to get you fired, and we're going to just really just amp things up, and we're going to burn our jerseys. And it's like, which side is being fascist? The side who's quietly protesting and exercising their First Amendment right? Or the other side that says, we're going to keep destroying you until you do what we want. And I don't understand. Like, if I said, hey, Fern, if you stand for the pledge, I'm going to try to get you fired. Or I'm going to try to get Kenny's garage to get shut down. Or I'm going to just drag your name through the mud and say you hate America if you're standing for the anthem like during Obama years. Because Obama is a traitor and a terrorist. How would that be any different than what the other side's doing out of the NFL, threatening to take their jobs and shut them down if they don't submit to their will? 
It's not any different, and I take high offense when they say you have been given this opportunity, this has been given to you. These guys work their asses off, and I know I've made this point before, but they work their asses off, they train, they beat up their bodies on a daily basis, they look at film and study film. Not only that, you know, being a tight end, a corner, a halfback, whatever, it doesn't matter. Your individual teammates play their game, play their own game individually, and you have to learn those individual teammates, not just the positions and what they entail, but how those teammates work together and the cohesiveness of the team. There's a lot of intellect that goes into playing football as well. So these aren't just freaking thugs with muscles going out and kicking each other's ass. They have been given nothing. They have earned it, and you are only going to pay for something what it is worth to you. So these guys are getting paid what they're worth to these franchises. So don't look at them in disrespect. They have been given nothing. They have earned it. Very well said. Okay, we'll in there because we got to get Christine in first. D, you want to tell us what we've got coming up because we're about to take a little break here in about two weeks. We are, um, but first we are going to have uh, John Hall from King Missile is coming on our next musical Osmosis. Um, so keep an eye out for that. It's on a different day, and then next week on Cattle of Fish. I hope I don't kill the name. We're going to have uh, Yadoya Travis, who um, we will have to post the show he's going to be on Search Party season, season yeah. 2 there you go he's going to be on season 2 of Search Party which I didn't even think they could have a season 2 but I'm, I'm looking forward to it uh, and then we are going to do the 21 Punk Salute which is going to be one of those nifty juggling acts with all kinds of different guests on all the same show um, and Jay from Narcoleptic Youth Dave Smalley yes. from Dag Nasty um, Danny from The Feathers who else is going to be on there uh, it's all escaping me right now A bunch. we're going to have a it's bunch huge. of acts it's going to be huge. You're going to love it. It's going to be huge, um, but in a good way. And then later this afternoon, we are having Colette Myers. But for those who usually listen, our kettle of fish is not going to be at its usual time. Uh, she actually had a commercial to go shoot. Uh, so it's going to be a little bit later than normal. Uh, but first, we are going to talk politics. Lots and lots of politics. And we're probably going to laugh our asses off because we've got Christine Medrano. Hi, Christine. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. How are you guys doing this morning? Absolutely groovy. Got my beer. Got my, um, I don't want to say <laughs> outrage because I don't really get outrage, but I've got my snarkiness to keep me warm. And I want to thank you for calling in today and agreeing to kind of talk about the insanity that is America right now. But before oh, we yeah. wax political, I always like to get to know, you know, for the listeners to get to know the guests a little bit. So why don't you tell us what you've got coming up in the comedy world, where you're performing and what you're working on? Yeah, definitely. Um, I have a few shows coming up. I have a show this um, October 5th at Starburns Castle. That's Dan Harmon's space. And then I'm going to be at the Comedy Central stage on October 10th with some great comedians who I really love. Um, And then I'm also going to be doing um, Little Cave. I have a bunch of shows coming up. Um, I mean, you guys, you can check it out on my website, com, or on my Twitter at Christy Meds, um, and then also on Instagram at Christine Med. They're all different. I'm so sorry. I don't know how social media works. Um, I have different panels for everything, but I have a bunch of shows coming up and a bunch of really cool spaces um, and on a, with a bunch of great comedians. So you do, I just did a show with Idoi Travis. He's so funny. I love him. Oh, yeah. I can't so wait to I mix it up with him next right. Sunday. Yes. I'm so glad. <laughs> Score one for D. Got the puck in the net. 
Excellent. Hey, so how has comedy changed since the election this past November? Are the audiences more charged up? Is it like I notice a lot of people like Lisa Bess who never had any kind of politics implemented into her comedy. Now a lot of these comedians are starting to work more politics in because this is so everywhere and so important. Do you feel pressure to kind of talk about politics more on stage? Is the audience kind of more standoffish to those topics? What's the vibe out there in comedy world, Christine? I've noticed that there are a lot more division amongst comedians at mics, maybe just in terms of like the entire thing about PC culture, I have felt it sometimes at shows. I I do a few jokes about Trump, um, but I try not to do anything that's going to make a stance. But I definitely have seen in more conservative areas, like I did a show in Ventura and in San Diego, you do kind of step on stage getting a good read of the room, maybe realizing that you do have people who voted for Trump in the audience and that, like, hey, they got to be down for the jokes. I have heard more sh- stories about people who will just get up and leave in the middle of sets and... Um, I think that's just kind of what's going to be happening until the end of this. I mean, hopefully it ends. But it just, I think there's just a greater division amongst Americans, and you can definitely feel it in comedy. That's, you know, we're not immune to that. Um, and I feel you do see more and more comedians who are just um, doing jokes that are political or want to make their voice heard that never used to do that, you know? Um, I know I've always kind of had political slants and things even before... Um, the Trump administration. So I feel like I'm not doing anything new, but it's just definitely um, something that we're dealing with. And also so many comedians I didn't realize were so funny and had so many great, like succinct political things to say. So that's always really exciting to discover that your peers are, are just as politically minded or um, funny and are able to be funny in that way as well. I think that's really cool to see. You've seen a lot of people who have kind of risen really high during this time. And then a lot of people who you're like, wow, I didn't realize how racist you are. Or it's kind of brought out the, um, the real views, you know what I mean? Cause they can't escape it. They can't just be like, I don't know. It's not so bad because it's like, no, we're going to, this is awful. <laughs> Yeah, it's in your face 24-7. And I wrote a joke the other day, and it's funny because I was like, man, Trump supporters are going to flip out. But it's a joke, and it's kind of like – so it's kind of like the crowd screaming snowflake in everybody's faces are the first ones to flip out if you say something you don't like. So I wrote this joke. I told Dee. I was like, man, should I even post this? Are people going to flip out? It was like, what's the difference between a liberal and an alt-right book club? The bonfire. And I was like, oh, man, people are not going to fucking like that at all. And I'm not trying to be like, oh, all Trump supporters are racists or Nazis. I just think it's fucking funny. But you can't, like, the the side screaming snowflake is the first ones to flip out at everything. Right, Fern? We see that all the time. All the fucking time. (laughs) It's so taxing. It It is just. You know, and this is why I try to choose my political battles, right? Like, I can beat my head against a wall and go nowhere and get bloodied and need stitches, or I can try to have a conversation with somebody who's willing to at least hear out the other side. And it all comes down to validation. Everybody wants to be validated. Everybody wants somebody to understand their point of view. And that's what I try to do in any given situation. It You're doesn't matter a pro whether. 
it's a social situation, a political situation, it doesn't matter. I can't pretend to know how someone else feels, so I try to understand how they feel. I don't have to agree with it, but let me see where their perspective is, where it's coming from, and that gives me ammunition, you know, and I say that not in a negative way, just as fuel to be able to say, okay, I get why you think this. So let me say this and say, okay, this is, this is wrong in my opinion or this is erroneous or maybe short-sighted, myopic, whatever word you want to use, um, and this is why and can you at least see my perspective. So those conversations that I can engage in, that I can give validation and have validation given to me and we can have a respectful conversation and agree, even agree to disagree those are the conversations I put my energy in because I feel like I'm planting a seed and can possibly affect change. I'm not going to affect change beating my head against a wall. And these snowflakes who scream snowflake, fake news, fake media, fake polls, Trump's balls deep are state awesome. Conspiracy. I can't do it. Don't forget yeah, the deep I, state conspiracies. I can't put that oh, energy yeah. into that level of crazy because it's pointless. It gets nobody anywhere. But it's, so. we're also speaking different languages, right? In America, and I've said this yeah. before, reminds me of like a newly divorced couple who hates each other's guts and why they're fucking fighting over who, like just petty shit, like who gets to keep the B. Arthur co- collector plates. Their 13-year-old's in a bathroom cutting herself and drinking Drano. And everybody has yeah. their shields up and they're all so defensive. And it, it just reminds me, one time me and my ex-wife got into an argument and she's like, you're so, you're, you're so manipulative. And I said, give me an example. Who do I manipulate? And she's like, see right there. You don't listen. I didn't say you manipulated people. I said you're a manipulative. And I was like, well, fuck. If I don't manipulate people, what am I manipulating? The space-time continuum? The fucking loyalty of sea creatures? You're a great clay artist. Yes, is that what it is? I'm making voodoo dolls. Anyways, um, Christine, like, how do you break through that communication wall when one side is just like, I'm going to take everything as an offense, even when you're agreeing with me? I'm going to, I'm going to see a negative slant to it. I mean, we definitely do have that, you know, and we, I think we still are seeing that with it. We still, I still have seen people on my timeline who are just kind of like, if Hillary hadn't, and I'm like, guys, really, we're, st- we're really doing this still, we're still birdie broing it up. Because um, there's just as much division on both sides within their own parties, you know, within the own sides. And you kind of that like when I see that, that kind of worries me just because I'm like, we don't need another, you know, 2017 all over again with Trump just because we can't decide what side we're on. But I think that the best way to break through is, you know, you guys were talking about this earlier. You just have to really listen and be patient and try not to jump to anger and even maybe take a few steps back onto their take take a few steps onto their side even if you don't agree just to kind of like lure them back to yours you know what i mean yeah. um it's a it's a really it's a really big game of give and take i think but you they're going to end up taking more than you're willing to give i think i think it's just at the point where if you're still a Trump supporter, I can't but help that thing. You know, you can't say it's taxes. You can't say it's certain issues when so much of it is just race, racist and sexist and, and rooted in fundamental things that I don't particularly agree with as someone who's a woman of color, as someone, you know, I'm Canadian. I grew up with a very different system and I'm American citizen now, but... It's just interesting to me to see the unwillingness to listen to anyone's side. It's very frustrating. I have so many. There's a few comedians who 
who who basically have come out and they're still they're still gunning for Trump. And it's very mind boggling to me because at this point it's more about I have to realize that it's more about them being right than it is about their own political views. Yes. Absolutely. People unwilling to waver in their wrongness um, publicly to just be like, no, I'm going to, you know, this is the hill I'm going to die on. And I've seen it destroy a lot of, I mean, it's, it's, it's causing everywhere you're seeing, you know, relationships affected by it. You know what I mean? Or people, I've seen comedians who don't, are not talking to their parents anymore because their parents voted for Trump. And, um, But I don't think it's because they voted for him. I think it's because how we come at each other. And I was telling Dee last night, my dad, who is from Greece, ironically a Greek refugee, my grandfather was killed by Nazis during World War II. And not, you know, in some cool freedom fighter way. He was out drunk past curfew. And they just put him on his knees in the middle of the street and shot him. And my dad Mm -hmm. and his family came over here from Noxus, Greece as refugees. And my dad, who had always been a proper Greek, Greek gentleman now has more in common with Ted Nugent than Ronald Reagan. And I told D last night, I said, at least when I was young and there was divisions, things made sense. My dad and his wife were like, we don't like heavy metal and we don't like Beavis and Butthead and we don't like all these things that are considered to be crude um, and rude because we are very proper people. And I understood that. I didn't agree with it. But I understood the whole PMRC, we want America to be more moral. But what we have now is like all these people who are like kind of immoral, who are just saying these horrible things, who are like like backing Ted Nugent and his Milo character and all these very despicable people trying to take the moral high ground when they actually had the moral low ground. So to me, it's like I don't know what the fucking rules are anymore. And that's the frustrating part. I think you're just seeing a lot of people like hijacking certain things to take on their cause. You can't say that you're the party of family values and then also vote for the pussy grabber guy. You just can't do that. Um, but that's what they're doing. And, you know, especially I've heard that with the reverse racism and a lot of the neo-Nazi groups that are, you know, we're in Charlottesville, that they're actually um, taking a lot of the language that is used, you know, um, for the fight for racial equality, and they're using it to create division. They're taking, they're hijacking these terms and things that have been around for, for you know, that people have found and, and academics have found for racial equality, and they're now taking it and using it for white supremacy. So you're also seeing a bit of that about kind of like a give and take in terms of um, people just taking from the other side to use for their own cause. They're using the same tactic, tactics that people are fighting them with. And um, I think that's really scary to me, um, just because it's it just seems so strange to be fighting these people and then take their the same weapons that you know what I mean. We're basically fighting fire with like people who are trying to con- see what we have and are trying to use it for their own. You know, it's 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 very. There's a lot of lines, yeah. I think you stated it well. There's a lot of lines being crossed and so much crossover that now, like Fern, you always say the whole Republican Party are rhinos now because I could ask 20 different Republicans what conservatism means and get 20 completely opposite answers, right? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. And yes, there is division within the parties on both sides, but you don't see the same division on the left as you do on the right. Just like you've said no, many all, times yeah. before, Nick, that you don't see the same kind of hate coming from the left as you do the right. And it was very evident up on that stage with 16 candidates. You know, you had warhawks, you had corporatists, you had libertarians, you had, you know, fiscal Steve conservatives. I mean, you had everything up there, and you know the Republican ben Party Carson, was just trying to—he's his own yeah. political entity. Ben Carson. I mean, man, when he came out, it was like, all right, I at least respect that he's like, hey, here's my dirty laundry. Here it is. I'm going to air it out now before it comes out, and I have to sit there and defend myself. He's like, yeah. So I tried to stab my mom, and I was like, okay, I don't agree with it, but I at least respect that you're trying to get it out there. But he totally lost me when he said that the pyramids were built by Joseph as grain silos, like that kind of level of yeah. crazy, you know. And 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 at heart, I am more of a conservative person, but when it comes to social issues, I am very very liberal. So it's kind of hard to like put me in that political box. But, um, but yeah, the division is, is definitely evident on both sides. It's just the Republicans, uh, all the Democrats had to do was just sit back, grab their popcorn, and let them, you know, commit political cannibalism and eat each other. And that's exactly what they're doing and exactly why Trump has moved to the left and shifted to the left and tried to work with the left because he understands that if he wants to have a legacy and he wants to have his name in history as doing something good, that he has to work with the opposite party because the Republicans cannot be cohesive enough to work together. They're it's all about him. paralysis, man. The yeah, he's a jello president, man. He's very gelatinous. He will just go wherever he needs to go to make himself look good, and he will point his finger in any direction he needs to point it to get his supporters to draw attention. I mean, do we miss 2016? Does anybody remember how horrible 2016 was with all the celebrity deaths and the clowns with knives and, you know, the Kaepernick scandal and the bathroom, the transgender bathroom? Cool. Like, I remember thinking, God, 2017 has got to be better. It's not. It's, it's just not. not. And every year it becomes its own kind of crazy, too. Like, this is a good lead-in for what's going on in Alabama. And let me give you some stats on this Roy uh, Moore guy who actually won. He beat out Trump. And I'll go, let me go. I think the easiest way to do this, I'm going to go through these um, bullet points here, and then we'll go back and talk about them individually. Yeah. So Roy Moore is the former Alabama Supreme Court justice. He ran against Luther Strange, who was appointed to fill Jeff Sessions' seat. And, I mean, Luther Strange, there we go. That's a fucking supervillain name for you. But that yeah. was the trump back candidate. But he, for Alabamans, he was too tame for Alabamans. They wanted somebody even more crazy and far-right than him. So Roy Moore was suspended or kicked off the bench. I'm not exactly sure how that works. Twice. Once for refusing to remove the Ten Commandments from in front of the courthouse and once for not enforcing same-sex marriage when it became the law and land. Um, like I said, he did run against Luther Strange. He won by 10 points, which is kind of a big victory and something that would you know, look does not look good for Trump since Trump did back him and then kind of backpedaled and said, I'm not really backing him. Um, let's see what else about good old Roy Moore. Uh, he was backed by Steve Bannon, so he was more of the kind of upset alt-right candidate. 
Uh, so the first shot, and you know, Bannon is saying the first shot of this insurrection against the GOP is Roy Moore. We're going to run even more hardcore far right, alt right candidates. He's coming after Mitch McConnell. He says when he gets to Washington, which he's running against Jones in the special election. He didn't. He was interviewed a week and a half ago. Didn't know what the fuck DACA or Dreamers was. So I don't know how in tune this guy is with the big debate we've been having. Um, of course, his against, he wants homosexuality to be criminalized. He thinks Obama wasn't born here and that he, he said that several states have Sharia law. And then when asked which states, he's like, I think Indiana's under Sharia law right now. I mean, there's just so much going on with this guy. Also, um, he had a budget of about $2 million backed by Banyan and Breitbart, and Luther Strange had a budget of $30 million and still couldn't take this guy down. So let's kind of start here, Fern, uh, with good old Roy Moore. People are kind of framing this as Bannon said, this is the new trend. The Roy Moores, the Ted Nugents, the Kid Rocks, the alt-right people are going to take over the GOP, and you're going to have the Democratic Party and like this crazy alt-right party of people who don't know what they're doing and have these far-out ideas. Is this just wishful thinking, or do you think Kid Rock will win in Michigan if he runs? Do you think we will see Milo running for office or fucking George Zimmerman or Ted Nugent? Or is Bannon just blowing smoke? No, I think Bannon is, you know, Bannon has made and built an empire on feeding into people's fears and feeding into hate. And um, I don't know if I can even say misinformation, at least not on the Alex Jones level, but at least a misdirection of, of information. And he's built an entire empire on this. So people are, are conditioned and the seed has been planted for this to really take hold. And that was very evident with the election last year. I mean, Trump ran on change, but he ran on change by invoking fear, whereas Obama ran on change invoking hope. And there's a very different message that's been sent there. So um, as far as Bannon's candidate Moore winning, and Luther Strange losing, you know, Trump did come out and say, hey, uh, I might have made a mistake. I didn't know this guy very well. And they they capitalized on that. Moore took those words from Trump and ran a, an, a negative ad, um, you know, running up to the election and just hammered Strange with that. So... I think Bannon, I, I, can't, I can't find the direct quote, but Bannon basically is saying, hey, look, I'm just carrying on the Trump agenda, which the Trump agenda was never the Trump agenda to begin with. The Trump agenda was actually Bannon's agenda up until Bannon split. Great point. So I think that um, Bannon definitely has the means, the empire, and the hate base that's been built up over the last year and a half um, to really do something with this. But I think that the amount of protesters, the amount of people speaking out now, the amount of people saying, hey, this is not cool, you can kneel for an anthem if you want to. I don't have to agree with it, but you can do it, and I respect your decision and your right to do so. The people who came out for the Women's March, the people who came out in Charlottesville, the people who came out in Washington State, I mean, you can, you can go down the list. I think there are enough voices of rational people who, even if they don't agree with the, um, the liberal ideals, they don't like these alt-right ideals. I think there's enough of a voice in America to really stop this from happening, but it's, it's going to be hard because Bannon is a powerful man. 
Well, let me ask Christine this, because in a recent mm-hmm. straw poll in Alabama, solid, solid red. I think um, they had won by something like 37 points. Trump won by like 37 mm-hmm. points in, in the districts that uh, Moore's running in. Right now in the straw poll, the Democrat Jones has 40 percent. Moore has 43 percent. So people are actually talking about this huge upset. Do you think this is possible mm-hmm. in solid red Alabama that a Democrat can win, even against a guy who wears a cowboy hat and pulls out a gun on stage during his rally? I mean, I'd like to hope that a Democrat could flip it, but I feel like at this time, it's really all these... I, I, that's what I want to hope, that there, that the people will come out that maybe enough young people in the left, maybe enough people who didn't vote in the general election will come out to these smaller elections. I mean, I think that's where what happened in, you know... That's why a lot, why the Democrats lost a lot of the powers because in like 2012, not a lot of people came out for the smaller elections, and I think now people are more aware that we have to kind of present for these smaller elections, and it's just not come. It's not just about coming out every four years. It's about coming out every two years, every few months to make sure that the people who are in control are people who are going to be looking out for the general Americans. And I think that's something that we're more aware of now. But at the same time, all politics are local. As they say. Yes, exactly. And but I, I'm just worried about the anti-establishmentness that's happening with all of our politics. You know, so we're basically allowing these people who have no, who who who, who the only kind of thing they have going for them that, that many people view that as is is that they're not part of politics, that they're outsiders. You know, I mean that was the entire appeal for many people, of Trump, is that he's an outsider, yet he goes in and he doesn't know what he's doing, and you're just going to have more of the same, because you have people who are going in, don't know what they're doing, and are just kind of fanning fires that got them elected, but are not able to do any real good, tangible change, you know? Like, I don't think Kid Rock would be able to do any, he's not going to do any good for the people of Michigan. Um, and he's so a high just, school you know, dropout. Now, How's he going to write legislation? Exactly. It's just one of those things where I feel like we just need to get people who are competent enough to just be in government, let alone, you know, not these anti-establishment people who are crazy, who who are just kind of, I feel like this is kind of like you guys have mentioned, you know, the libertarians, and it's kind of going back to that Tea Party, where it's just kind of like you just have people who are believing in crazy things, but just as long as they're not part of what the system that was there before, people are happy, and, and that worries me, because when we're just feeding into this, this entire new um, age of just profound ignorance where people just don't want information. They want headlines and not actual articles where no one's reading. Everyone's just, you know, we're reading like the small things on Twitter, but we're not really taking time to read books and articles and actually learn things. And I feel like this age of ignorance is kind of expanding and hopefully um, there'll be enough people who are, who are woke who can go out and make the change that we need. But um we have to also realize that on the other side, we have, you know, the Steve Bannons who are also fanning those fires. For every women's march group, we're going to have, you know, alt-right groups. So we have to make sure that we're adamant about staying active and keeping people fired up and being aware of what that, you know, that both sides are kind of, I guess, weaponizing in a way. And obviously, the people who are right are, have gone so far right that it's like off the maps, you know, where it's just kind of interesting because I feel like the left is just like, we just want common decency in these elections. 
and we've not been able to even get that. So, so many good points. And yes, I agree. A lot of us are very concerned about the state of our nation. I kind of want to pivot back to local politics for a moment. And I had mentioned this in the intro because, Fern, you actually just had a talk with somebody who's running for House State Delegate. And you guys mixed it up for a good 15 or 20 minutes. And he was actually interested in some of your policy ideas for education in Virginia. Oh, wow. Yeah, he he kind of he he just stopped by. I was inside, and Kenny was like, he came in. He's like, hey, you know, you got Jason Mayari's out here. Um, I figured you'd probably want to talk to him. I'm like, yes, absolutely. And he's a conservative who's um, running to maintain his seat in the Virginia House of Delegates. And I came out and I kind of hit him on, um, I hit him on education. Like he's actually got a big platform on um, hurricane relief in this area because we are due in Virginia Beach for a. Uh, for a you know a cat three, I mean historically, statistically, we've wow. been due since the '90s to get hit by a pretty big hurricane, and with everything that's happened in Texas and Florida and Puerto Rico, um, like this is this has become a focal point for him. He he actually uh, missed passing this legislation by one vote in the in the Senate, so um, he's going to go ahead and propose this legislation again this year. But when I was talking to him about education, you know, I, I started with standardized testing and you know got his view on that and he you know he's very he's uh very much of the school that yes the 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 institutions need to be held accountable but he said you know my daughter took 17 standardized tests last year and he's a local he's a local prosecutor here he goes up to Richmond a couple days a week does his job here which is how politics is supposed to be it's how it was intended um, but you know I have a, a, a clear-cut concise education plan for getting our kids educated um, up to 10th grade with a high school education and then focusing that 11th and 12th year on either an associate's or a trades degree because I thoroughly believe in trades people and I think this country needs trades people. And as I'm talking to him about my plan and how to integrate that with Virginia businesses, like I, I see his brain ticking and clicking. He's like, oh, so this is multifaceted. And he's like, please email me. Um, I want to try to work with you on this, and maybe we can make this happen. So it just goes to show you that one voice in 15 or 20 minutes possibly can make I didn't ask you this, Fern. Let me cut you off real quick. Did you tell him at all about your background as far as the research you do and you have a political podcast, or did that not come Uh, up? I did tell him we had a political podcast. Um, I did tell him that, um, you know, I do a lot of research, kind of heavily involved in politics. Um, Maybe not as involved as I should be, but involved enough to know what's going on. (laughs) We'll put it that way. I I do my due diligence, and I get it from both sides, and I try to understand both perspectives. Yeah, I think if you know more than a 140-character tweet about each issue, you're doing more than most. (laughs) Yeah, but it it was nice to have this conversation, and I would encourage anybody out there, if you have an opportunity, opportunity to go to a town hall, if you have an opportunity to go to any type of debate. I just recently watched the um, Virginia gubernatorial debate. Um, You know, I typically vote conservative. This year I will not, just because our conservative candidate here in Virginia, Ed Gillespie, is a self-made, he is a lobbyist, in essence, and I think that lobbyists are a big problem. So that's, he he won't get my vote for sure. but just taking the time to look into these candidates, even having a conversation, a lot of times you get these robocalls, um, take them, leave a message, ask a question, share your concerns, because one voice, one idea can make a difference. And I don't know Amen if mine will or not, but I'm going to try. We'll see what happens. 
my hat's off to you. I want to get back on this more thing. Let me pivot back here because you had sent me this campaign ad that was uh, Hail Mary ran like in the 11th hour against Strange and kind of showing how Trump was wavering and kind of like, I don't know who Luther Strange is. Maybe I made a mistake. In your opinion, Fern, was that the whole ball game? Did that give him that win by that huge margin, you know, for a primary 10 points? Or um, does any of this even matter? Will this hurt Trump that the Trump candidate didn't win? Or is he so smart? He's like, well, that wasn't really my candidate. I mean, he went back and deleted all his pro strange tweets. Does he get another pass from his base, Fern? Well, he also said that if his opponent won, that he would go out and support him, too. So the wishy-washy vernacular coming out of him. From him and and Jello's exactly. going to have to change your slogan too. There's never room for Jello now that Trump is the Jello president. Exactly, exactly. He he couldn't really solidly commit. Um, I think he saw poll numbers and got a little scared and thought, well, I can't go 100% behind this guy because if I do and I lose, then that makes me look bad because, again, it all comes back to the narcissistic well, personality. It's strange when um, Sessions left. Yeah. So, I mean, he's. I think that this ad definitely hurt Strange a lot. Uh, was it the deal breaker? I don't know, but I don't think that he would he would have lost by as significant a margin as he did without this. I think that a lot of people who were, I mean, Strange had an advantage, but I think a lot of people who were pro-Trump, once they, once they saw that, were like, oh, well, Trump's not sure. I need to go with the other guy. He's going to support the other guy anyway. Need to go with the other guy. He doesn't really know him. Need to go with the other guy. He's not really supporting him. Need to go with the other guy. He so, is slippery. Deal breaker, not sure, but certainly significant impact on the margin, for sure. Christine, if Bannon starts kind of backing that up and rolling out these far-right, alt-right type characters to run against Trump's more, I guess, establishment candidates, even though they're very far-right themselves, does this mm-hmm. hurt Trump? Can Bannon do any real damage to Trump? If I mean, right now they're kind of in a cold war, but if they get into a full-on media war, who comes out on top, Bannon and his hate base or Trump and kind of his cult of personality base? See, that's a hard thing to 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 um, figure out, just because for so long, so much of this, um, Steve Bannon has been the mouthpiece of um, of Donald Trump, and vice versa. You know, Donald Trump has been able to tout a lot of mm-hmm. Steve Bannon's ideas, and so the line gets blurry because you do have a lot of people who are don't agree with Donald Trump anymore, and are more kind of towards they want to stay with maybe more quote unquote establishment candidate and will go with people who are part of the the alt-right more so than anyone who is endorsing Trump because they see him working with um, liberals. So I don't know at this point anymore. I feel like Steve Bannon does have an amazing platform, but, you know, Donald Trump is at this point going to have more eyes on him. So I feel like as much as Steve Bannon does have a mouthpiece, it's still going to be we're still going to hear more about what Donald Trump is saying. So it may not have the impact that Donald Trump has. So I think that you do have two people who are very powerful. Um, but at, at the end of the day, right now, your Donald Trump is still the president. He still has more power and maybe more pull in some people's eyes just because of that one fact that he is president. You know, even if it's like a turf more, war between the fucking Riddler yeah. and the Penguin. It really is. It's kind of like the it's it's not even the there's no less evil. It's just like the evil or more evil. 
it's it's kind of it's really <laughs> so the republican party if bannon wins and the republican party becomes the party of the alt-right and david duke has had who have made political runs before gets into the senate and kid rock gets into the senate and things are just a complete mess will the republicans ever win an election against the democrats again i mean will republicans start jumping ship or will they go fucking anywhere their party goes no matter how egregious no matter how horrible will they just be like nope at least i'm not a liberal or will they or um, can you overreach if you're the republican party i feel like you look at people like paul ryan and you see that people are definitely willing to have no spine to kind of go party first above the country above anything else they just want to be on the side that's winning and if they can put in party um, a candidate who disagrees completely with everything that they stand for but win for the republicans that's what they're going to do because essentially that's what happened you know with the president who maybe a lot of i don't i hope that a lot of republicans don't believe trump and they're just going with his party but i mean they're both i mean which option is better they're both awful to have um because they just want to pass their own legislation. You've seen them bend over backwards and kind of make deals with the devil that they may not be able to recover from if they're already, you know, going down that road. Like, you know, Paul Ryan, hopefully he'll never be in elected office after everything that he's done and everything that he's kind he of... He should have listened to his gut and not, and not taken the speaker job because he knew it was going to be the end of him, like it was the end of um, Boehner. Yeah. And, and so I feel like you're going to have... I feel like, unfortunately, it's just going to be party first. I don't know if, and they'll, I don't know if they'll continue to win. That's the thing. They may change and pivot once they start losing elections, but as long as they're winning, that's all that matters, you know? And if they have the base to, that's, you know, like the the Reddit Donald and all the alt-right people who are going to come out for them in elections and, and help them win, even, I think they're just kind of, depending on how lethargic, the left will get to it. I hope will not happen. You know, I hope we, the left continues to be um, mobilized. You know, I think it's important to just maintain that momentum because they're also going to have it. And I think it's more dependent on at this point, the people than anything else, which is a good thing. Well, Fern, um, this, this wasn't a, a momentary lapse of memory. This guy sat down in this interview with uh, Roy Moore and said, what do you think about DACA? And Roy Moore's like, what's DACA? And this was a, a week, a week and a half ago. And he's like, the Dreamers. What do you think of the Dreamers? Do you think they should stay? And he didn't know what DACA was. He didn't know what the Dreamers are. Showing once again, this guy is totally unqualified for office. Do these things make any kind of difference, Fern? Or will voters go, well, man, you know, maybe he just wasn't on Twitter that day. Maybe he was out wrangling cattle or, you know, at the gun range. Who cares? Okay, this goes back to you don't have the guy that works on your car do your liver transplant, okay? Um, you don't have, you know, the guy who delivers your paper cut off one of your toes and amputate one of your toes. Like, you, you, you have people in a job who know what their job are. And not only did this guy say, hey, I don't know what DACA is, I don't know who the Dreamers are, he flat out attacked the reporter and said, look, why don't you just tell me what it is and stop beating around the bush and why don't you just inform me? Why don't you inform me on what it is? Now, when the person conducting the interview has to inform 
the representative who's running for office as to what the issues are, this is a problem. People chastised and gave Gary Johnson a whole bunch of shit when he said, what's in Aleppo? You know what I'm saying? But nobody's attacking this guy for not knowing what it is. And this is the same guy who referred to Native Americans and Asians as reds and yellows. Okay? Uh, This is a guy who said that 9-11 was punishment from God and our acceptance of homosexuality. Like, this guy is... Loves Putin like so many other... um, And Myers and loves Putin like so many other Republicans now for some reason. Maybe Putin's right about homosexuality. You know what? Maybe jailing and killing people is a good thing if they're gay. Like, this guy is absolutely insane. And your mom's like, hey, eat some broccoli. I don't like broccoli. Well, how do you know if you haven't tried it? Have you killed some gays? How do you know you won't like it? Now, look, if you don't agree with homosexuality, you don't agree with homosexuality. But you don't get to legislate it through an entire country because of your beliefs. We're about rights, and we are about treating people equally and everybody having the same rights, not just the ones that you agree with. Everybody across the board gets to have those rights. So uh, this guy is, is the epitome of a religious zealot once again, who is trying to legislate their own morality, and it is wrong. It's it's it, he's he's kind of like Ted Cruz light, maybe. Maybe I could. Okay, let's switch over to Christine here. I want to finish this topic up with this. More mm-hmm. Bannon and others in that base are saying they're coming after Ryan. They're coming after Mitch McConnell. The rhinos, the establishment, has to go. Does this mean anything? Will they have any impact on taking down Mitch McConnell? Or this guy, he's a 20-year-in seasoned politician. Is Mitch McConnell sweating any of this, or is this a big fucking joke? I don't think that he's, I don't think he's sweating it. I think he may have a reason to sweat it, because I feel like at this point, we're, we do truly live in the age of like anything can happen. Um, so he could easily get out of there, but I don't think he's sweating. I don't think he looks at, I don't think he takes a lot of things seriously as much as he should. You know what I mean? I think as long as he's, he, it's not going to have any water off his back and he, or at least he's not going to show it. You know what I mean? I feel like with Mitch McConnell, it's, these guys have just been able to, to kind of been like boys, you know what I mean? Like they've just kind of had so much garbage that they've had proved or things that have happened and they're still. It's kind of like chain smoking two packs of Palm all a day for 20 years. And someone says you're going to get cancer and you're in denial. It's like, well, fuck, I've been smoking for 20 years and I haven't got cancer. So there you go. It's like, yeah, they're basically in denial, and I feel like it's like that meme that you've seen of that dog in a room on with a room on fire, and they're going everything's fine, and they're trying to convince us that you know that they are the way. But I think people are beginning to wake up, so I think that um, he probably doesn't think he has anything to worry about. But I think that the anti-establishment and maybe the far right are are more likely to have a handle on him th- on things than or get ahead without people like Mitch McConnell and, and Paul Ryan, because they know that they don't need the establish anymore, establishment anymore to be able to get into positions of office because we have a president who, you know, has had no experience. You know, we have all of these crazy candidates that are running around and you don't, you don't need people like 
Mitch McConnell or Paul Ryan who know the ins and outs or some of the ins and outs of government anymore. You know, it's becoming less and less relevant your experience in government, unfortunately, to be in government. Yeah, that is Looney Tunes. And um, actually, let me finish up with this instead. Fern, Eric Cantor lost dumping millions into his campaign against some college professor who had zero experience. Um, Moore was outspent you know, like 15 to 1. Like I said in the follow-up or the lead-up rather to this, Strange spent $30 million, more spent between $1.5 and $2 million. It doesn't even seem like money means anything anymore with these zealots. It seems all that matters is, hey, vote for me. I'm even farther right than the last guy. It's absolutely message over money. It sure wow, is. Great phrase, message over money. It's absolutely message over money, man. Um, you know, it's it's when you feed into emotion and feelings, um, that's a lot more. It's a lot easier than feeding into intellect because when you feed into intellect and logic, you have facts to back that up. And like you say, Nick, you know, you don't have to travel to all 50 states to know that they exist. Knowledge is fact-based. So if you can feed into fear versus feeding into fact, then you're going to tap an unsure market, and people would rather err on the caution of feeling safer or feeling more superior or feeling like they have the upper hand, and that's more what they always do. Or in control versus the logic and the intellect that it takes to really take yourself outside of that emotional box. Now, I'm an emotional creature. I will fully admit I wear my emotions on my sleeve. I don't let my emotions rule me, though. I feel them. I interpret them. But I also look at fact and logic to come to a conclusion. Do I believe in socialized medicine? Absolutely not. Do I believe that it is the solution for our country in this moment, given our current situation and our problem? I absolutely do. Just because it's not my ideology doesn't mean that I don't think it's not good for the entire country. And I can put my personal feelings aside for what's good for the entire country. And I just wish more people would do that. We look at things in a broader scope versus being so myopic. All right, well, we've only got – well, we're going to run over, so let's see how much of this we can get through because we have another topic here. There was recently another attack, although this one was much bigger. 21 U.S. diplomats and their family members experienced some kind of sonic attack that caused loss of hearing and even brain damage in a few instances. Now, this has been happening since last November, but it's been amped up. This is in – I'm sorry, this is in Havana, Cuba – and 60% of the staff was removed, and they said that the sonic attack was something that was beyond anything that they're aware of, you know, weaponized by humans. And my first, mm-hmm. you know, in the crazy world we live in, my first thought was, what are the fucking whales attacking us now? Is Atlantis attacking us? Like, what else could happen in this country? And it just, it's just another weird story, and we, we're seeing more and more of these bizarre stories that makes me feel like we're in the Matrix or something. I mean, this is starting to be like some kind of weird supervillain movie. Fern, I know you had a little bit more information on this that you sent me. Once again, is this something we should be concerned about, or is this some weird one-off? Because it's happened more than once. 
Yeah, it's been happening, like you said, since last year. Um, and here's the thing. The U.S. didn't even really admit that this happened until this past August. They did expel two Cuban diplomats um, in May of 2017, but it didn't really come down and shake down until this past August. I remember hearing about it when I came back from Maine. Um, and, I mean, the hearing loss, headaches, loss of balance. Um, some people reported that when they laid down in their bed that, you know, the symptoms were worse. When they got up in the morning, they were better. Um, some of them were in residences. Some of them were in a new hotel that was down in Cuba. But I remember thinking when this came out, I was like, there's no way the Cuban government has the has the technology and the money to really back something like this. There's there's no way that they could do this. And I think it's a foreign government coming in and, and really doing some damage. And that might be the conspiracy theorists coming out. But, um, you know... Well, there, somebody wants to wreck our relationships with this because Obama did repair relationships with Cuba, um, took them off the list of countries who yep. supported terrorism, relaxed the travel restrictions to Cuba. Trump said he was going to do away with all that. Why, Trump? Oh, because Obama said it's good, it must be bad. That hasn't come to fruition yet, but now Cuba is mad at us and saying we're overreacting by pulling out 60% of our diplomatic staff. Well, I mean, I don't think it's an overreaction. I really actually support that decision that Donald Trump made, and you won't hear me support a whole lot that Donald Trump does, but I do support that decision because we don't know. We don't know what's going on, we don't know who it is, and we do need to protect our people. However, um, to put the blame on the Cuban government and saying they're not doing enough. They only have but so many resources. They only have but so much money. They only have but so much tech. There's only so much that they can do. And I agree. I think it's another another foreign agency, probably the same foreign agency that infiltrated Twitter and Facebook, probably the same in- agency that hacked the DNC, probably that same Russian RT agency that's trying to screw up shit with Cuba. Um, it's th- that's the whole Russian agenda right now is to divide and conquer. That is their thing. They want to split us as a nation between ourselves socially, but they also want to break off any ties from any other country that we have that we're working on. Um, China has been a good example of that. Korea has been a good example of that. Um, The Russians are really trying to drive that wedge slowly but surely, and people look at Putin as the the shirtless guy riding on the horse cowboy, and they're not looking at the the in-the-weeds, in-the-shadows bullshit that he's been pulling over the years with Korea, with China, with Turkey, um, within its own country, Crimea. I mean, there's a whole... Mm -hmm a whole litmus list of stuff that he's been doing. And to put this squarely on the Cuban government is wrong, but to pull our guys out until we can figure out what's going on, I do believe is the right move. Christine, a never-before-seen or even thought of Sonic Attack like a fucking Iron Man movie. Are we yeah. kind of through the looking glass now in this world, Christine? I mean, I said the other day, we're so like upside down now. I wouldn't be surprised if fidget spinners became sentient and started a fucking uprising. Like the shit that's going on we're, now is bananas. We are truly living in an episode of The Black Mirror. Uh, everything is crazy. Yeah, I love that it's show. It's kind of like with. It's like with our phones, like, you know, I don't know if you've ever had this happen where you talk about something, you don't even type it into your phone, and then all of a sudden ads for it will start popping up on Instagram. 
Yes. I don't know if you've had this happen to you. That actually um, happened to me. I saw an ad for the show Happen Leonard. Never heard of it before. The first season was already over. I went to On Demand. It was only six episodes. I watched, I binge watched all six episodes, went back to my computer, and there was fucking Happen Leonard ads all over my Facebook. That is yeah, true. It's it's really one of those things where it's it is it is something out of like a comic book, but I feel like we're that's just the age we're living in, and I hate it. Um, but what can we do? It's like you know she mentioned earlier about talk about people being ruled by their emotions instead of logic, and I feel like this is the kind of the more that people are like that, the more we have that going on within our country and in the world, the more you're gonna see attacks that are kind of crazy like this i mean i don't even know this is this is so something out of like a movie you know um but it's like anything goes now i don't know all conspiracy theories are on uh, on the table that can be possible it's it's kind of crazy is it art imitating life or life intimidating art or the other way around. Who knows? Okay, let's finish up with this, Fern. Give us the deets on what's going on. Twitter just went in front of, um, I think it was Mueller's investigative committee, the Judiciary House Judiciary Committee, about them allowing all these rogue fake accounts onto Twitter. Facebook has a huge problem. Zuckerberg is actually having heat with the government right now for similar things. All Russian trolls, all Russian operatives. Is this overblown or we've only scratched the surface? Are we only seeing the tip of this iceberg? No, I think uh, it's not overblown. We are seeing the tip of the iceberg. And, um, you know, former governor turned Senator Mark Warner is one of the lead guys on this committee. Um, and basically, he's been in the news uh, just flanking Twitter, saying that response was inadequate, that they're not taking – actually, he took to Twitter and says, you know, you guys just aren't taking this seriously. So basically what's going on is it started with Facebook, and Facebook flagged over 400 accounts, uh, 470 accounts, saying that they were all accounts by the RT government. There's like three separate entities, but all run by the Kremlin and RT, um, which equated for at least $100,000 worth of ad revenue for Facebook. And basically what they're doing is they're putting out uh, divisive propaganda. Some of them are what's called blacktivist sites, where they would target African Americans in specific communities like Ferguson, like Baltimore, and post um, rallies, protests, um, insightful memes, things like that, basically things to divide um, and be hateful. It wasn't like, hey, this protest is going to be here. It's like, hey, come join this protest and, you know, fight Whitey. You know what I'm saying? Like that type of thing. Um, it's very very divisive. Um, the other the other point is with Twitter. Twitter has kind of glommed onto what Facebook did, and Twitter's like, all right, so here are these accounts. Um, let's look and see if they're linked. All right, well we have exact accounts, and then we have some other accounts that may be linked. So they pulled uh, 201 accounts, which act you know actually was over 270 thousand dollars worth of ad revenue from Twitter. Um, so Twitter is really kind of piggybacked off of what Facebook has done, and that's why the government has a big problem. Although Twitter does say, look, we're actively seeking out bots for the Russian government. We're not going to take down all bots, just the ones that may be linked to the Russian government. We do stop over 450,000 questionable logins per day. So this is what we're doing. Um, the, the problem is, is 
with the United States, they shut down over 470 accounts. Before the French election, once the Russian involvement became an issue, they shut down over 30,000 accounts for the French election. And then with the wow. German election that happened recently, you can get an estimate, and they, they're not giving exact numbers, but the PR guy said tens of thousands. Um, Zuckerberg said thousands, which could be meant to mean tens of thousands. And I have a hard time believing that only 470 accounts were responsible in America, but yet you have tens of thousands in France and Germany once this is realized to be a problem. So that's why I say I think this is the tip of the iceberg. There's going to be more that's coming out of this. Um, well, we're but you getting have to look- smart, though, right? Just to interject real quick. When I go on threads yeah. now, I used to see tons of conspiracy and hate when I go on. And I try I go on sites like The Hill, which I think is pretty down the middle. I try to stay away from Occupy sites because I think they slant too far left. And, of course, I don't go on, like, the Breitbart or Drudge Report ones but people started getting smart and said hey these are prioritized by how many likes and interactions they have so everybody interact with this you know comment on this thread right here to push these bots down to the bottom so they're not visible and i think that had an effect because that's what i've been seeing fern when i go on i probably go on these sites more than you do this is what i've been seeing in the comment threads is everyday people and i'll chime in and like to keep it up there in priority as well everyday people going we recognize this is a russian bot i mean the, the fucking picture is like some 1980s prom picture and the account is two months old so we are kind of wising up, I think. At least a segment of us are are becoming more savvy. Now, in that comment thread, that may be the case, but bots have become a very useful marketing tool as far as Twitter goes, and that's why they're kind of defending the use of bots. Well, this because is on one Facebook, person, not Twitter. Yeah, and, but see, one person can control all these different accounts, and they bot it out and start, start um, you know, following people, getting people to follow back, just to get their tweets retweeted out there and get their... Uh, you know, get their message out there. There was 80 accounts that recently have been tweeting about the NFL and people kneeling about the NFL. And 25% of those have been proven to be bots with Russian ties. So this is happening. It's absolutely happening. What I don't get is, at least as far as Facebook goes, when you look at Facebook's terms of service, and I actually read through, yes, their entire terms of service. I also read through the DNC and the RNC's political platform. Let me get over to Christine first before we get into the terms of service. Okay, you got it. Because, you know, babies got bought. All right, Christine, are you kind of on the same page as us? This is the tip of the iceberg, and this had a huge impact on the election. Let me phrase it this way. How much of an impact on the election do you think these Russian propaganda stories had? I mean, a huge, immense impact on the election. I feel like the thing – it was tipped – you know, we're still hearing about – Hillary's emails. We're still hearing about all of these things that may, literally had nothing to do with anything that were kind of propagated by these bots that were put into the, the zeitgeist that were chanted and all these conspiracy theories, you know, like about the, you know, Pizzagate and, and, and there's still things that are not, have, have not yet been disproven or have been disproven and are still being touted by the far, far, like the alt-right. And so I think that the effect that they had on it was immense. And I think that, you know, it's, it, I think people have become more savvy with it, but I still think it's very easy to spread misinformation 
But how do people keep buying into it? You know, I always make the example, if I tell my six-year-old there's no Santa and there's no Tooth Fairy, she can draw the um, kind of conclusion, well, huh, there's no Santa Claus and there's no Tooth Fairy, maybe there's no Easter Bunny. Like, she can make those kind of synapses fire and make those kind of neurological connections, you know, that A equals B. But when you talk to some of these people on the far right, it's like, okay, well, Jade Helm 15 wasn't the real deal. Jade Helm 16 is going to be, and Ebola didn't kill us, but this other thing's going to kill us over here that sounds outrageous. Like, how, it just seems like they never learn on that side. They feed off and live in conspiracy fear land where they have to, like, carry their gun and go get an ice cream cone because they're afraid ISIS is going to fucking behead them or something at Crackle Barrel. I think it's- I think it's just kind of like living in your echo chamber and embracing what is what agrees with you, whether it seems to make logic or not, you know, whether it makes sense or not. And you just have people who just are, are, are listening to what they want to hear, you know? They're not listening to the information that they know is true because they Why think would that you all want to be terrified all the time. I, I wish I knew. I think I think it kind of goes back to your joke from earlier. I think the side that burns books is never on the right side of history. Just if you're on the side that's burning books, you're not on the right side. That's just your indicator. Just use that. Use that as the barometer. Um, unfortunately, that is not going to be used by the other side. But um, I don't know. I just kind of, you know, I think these Russian bots have a bigger effect and um, weren't given enough credit. I still think we don't. We hear it talked about, but not as much as maybe we should have. Um, we heard more about. I feel like we heard more about other issues that didn't matter, like Hillary's emails that, uh, or things like that, um, than we did about the bots that had a bigger impact. Why are we on, hearing you know, about Kushner's? Uh, Why aren't you seeing people pissed off about Kushner's private server and Trump's staff's exactly. private server? If it was such a big deal when yeah. Hillary did. Yeah, he isn't he isn't he isn't he tweeting from like an unlocked Android? Like I remember, like that could be fake news too. I don't know. Like it's just, but I feel like people did wake up. Like I went when after the election, I went through my news feed and make sure I unfollowed or, or followed the news that I knew was correct. You know what I mean? And I, I deleted a lot of people. It was kind of like you kind of just had to sift through your life and and see just. I, and also, I didn't want to read all the, the Breitbart articles that were, that were popping up that maybe people who I didn't even knew I was friends with were sharing, you know? Um, and it's got to be harder so for you being a comedian because you kind of mass add people. Anybody who sends you a friend request, I imagine you add them because you're trying to promote yourself as a, as a public figure, as a comedian, right? I, I do not add everyone. Oh, not really? everyone just because um, self-care <laughs> um, if someone and also because I feel like as a female comedian you do have a lot of people who will add you and just harass you online and um, yep and it's, you know at this point I'm but has that behavior changed that. did you start out adding a bunch of people I, I, I've become more strict with who I add since everything has happened, I think. And just kind of That's like smart. looking, you know what I mean? If I don't have any friends with someone and everything, like I look at their profile and it's just a bunch of shit about like politics and they're pro- like all alt-right politics, I'm not going to add that person because I don't want that energy within my space. I feel like so much about the after the election was just about protecting my own sanity and maybe that's, you know, in a way... 
not accepting every opinion that I have. You know, I don't I don't have to look at every opinion online. That's what I've taught myself. I can I can look past ones I don't want to see that I know are false or inflammatory or want to hurt me or hurt you know people and and kind of move on now. Well, Fern, I, we all kind of had to do a insanity detox, right, Fern, after the election. Oh yeah, yeah, and you know, um, to, to the point of the opinions online. I mean, you you can't. There's a lot of stuff that I just have to scroll by, um, but there's a lot of stuff that I keep and people that I keep, even if I find what they post inflammatory, it does give me some insight into the other person's point of view and where their, uh, where their loyalties lie. But I was just having a conversation with Kenny this morning, and he brought up a very good point that kind of I felt the same way, but I just couldn't articulate it the way that he did. He's like, look, you know, Facebook, it should be taken as opinion. Anything you see on Facebook is opinion. So many people get their news from their Facebook or their Twitter feed. It is not news. It is headlines. It is sound bites. It is opinion. Now, if something intrigues you, if you look at something and say, hey, man, that is like really jacked up, uh, what's going on there? Like the meme with Obama having a bunch of immigrants flying off the, you know, hanging off the plane. That wasn't real, but people took that as real because we live in a world of crazy where some of the crazy has been proven to be real. Some people do believe that the earth is flat, and we have to accept that. So let's just take Facebook as an opinion and then go in and research it. One of the best articles I ever read on the alt-right came from Breitbart, and I have to give them a little credit in this because they really broke it down into the different factions of the alt-right. You know, some of them are just the youth of America, meme makers who want to just cause trouble and discontent and hate because they've never grown up in an area or with a situation where they've experienced this firsthand and they don't believe that it's real and they just want to rile people up. Some of it is your skinhead KKK, you know, assholes. Um, And there's a real breakdown on the alt-right of the different factions and groups, and that came from Breitbart. So we just need to be... um we just need to be aware that these are opinions, and you need to but dig into to the right it. and the left and, and get both sides to formulate, you know, a factual and educated opinion. But you have to change the whole culture, right, Fern? I mean, I remember how many times have we told people on comment threads where they're like, you're being irresponsible as a news show. And we're like, we're not fucking news. We're a panel show. We're a couple people who read the news and then have opinions and talk about it. And when I started writing for a political site, the first thing they said is, we are an editorial site. We are not news. So nothing is being presented. Like, we never said, welcome to the ignorance equation, your news station. But people are just automatically taking it that way. So how do we change that culture? Well, and again, everything has to be taken with a grain of salt. Unless you're willing to put the work in and really dig deep and find facts and, you know, understand both points of view and understand the legality and the logic of things, then you're going to be nothing but an asshole with an opinion. And, I mean, I pride myself on doing research and trying to make sure that I'm coming at it from the most factual point of view that I can. And, you know, I used to say that Obama has deported more people in the United States than four presidents combined. And that's actually a factual statement until you take into account that the way that they counted deportations changed once Obama became president. So when you take into that, that piece of information, then Obama's right on par with every other president. And I would rather be informed than right. 
right, well, we got to get out of here. Let's finish up with this because I thought it was kind of fucking hysterical. Give us the actual terms of service, which I can't imagine are ever enforced by Facebook. <laughs> okay. This, Just give this us some was, of the highlights because I know there's like 30 of them. Yeah, there's like a ton of them. I highlighted three just because I felt these were the most important and the least adhered by. In their Facebook Terms of Service, they say, you will not bully, intimidate, or harass any user. You will not post content that is hate speech, threatening, or pornographic, incites violence, or contains nudity or graphic or gratuitous violence. And lastly, you will not use Facebook to do anything unlawful, misleading, malicious, or discriminatory. Wow, Christine, in your experience, is Facebook diligently adhering to those values? I feel like I've seen all of those things happen within the last hour on Facebook. (laughs) Those are are like, who's reinforcing that? Oh, my God, that is not. I've literally seen all of those things happen on Facebook on a daily basis. Sometimes I'm involved in them. There's definitely some, like, anger thread that I'm commenting on, I don't think those are reinforced. I think that there may be a nice thing that they can have up to be like, see, you you don't have diarrhea in the pool, we told you, but they're not reinforcing it. It's like they're just to have in case anything does happen. If someone kills themselves because of bullying, they can be like, we're not liable, look at these things we have. And I don't think anyone's actively enforcing any of these. I mean, and if they are, they're not doing a great job of it. I mean, I feel like there's so much inflammatory things on Facebook and that fall under all of those things. Yeah, I find it funny, um, Fern, that anytime I try to put up a second account, because I keep trying to put second accounts up, one that I can use solely for like the kettle of fish component facets of me and like the musical osmosis facet and keep politics off of, I get shut down in like two days, yet I'll get friend requests every other day from Harry Balls. Who's obviously yeah. not a true a profile. Oh, yeah. They they catch you dead to rights, um, but they've only gotten 470 Russian accounts. And by the way, Christine, I think that should be Facebook's new motto, diarrhea in the pool. I think that is beautiful <laughs> and perfect. That's great. Somebody should make a meme of that. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, let's end there. I'm sorry, guys. We ran about 20 minutes over. We had so much to fucking unpack today, and we didn't even get to Puerto Rico, which is a travesty. Um, Christine, I want to thank you again for spending part of your Sunday with us. Going out the door, why don't you tell everybody yet again where they can find you on the interwebs? Um, they can find me on Twitter at Chrissy Meds, on Instagram at Christine Med. Um, check out my website, ChristineMadrano.com. I'm going to be at the Comedy Central stage on October 10th. I'm going to be at Starburns Castle on, on October 5th. And then I also have a political show every month at The Nerdist. Um, really? Tell us about that. Yep. It's called Political Jerk. Um, I'm more – we, we have different um, – acts that come on like the last time we had like a fake alt-right um youtuber come on he was obviously fake um i've seen people we have like burlesque who comes up like we had someone who's burlesque donald trump um we've had just different sketches and and comedy acts who come and it's just politically geared and so it's exciting to have that space to be able to do that where we can kind of have our form of protest through comedy every month we have it at nerdist it's called political jerk that is amazing did you learn anything today yeah, I think you can always learn when you're having conversations like these because it's so important just about how other people view the world and and way that you can change yourself and how you view things and and you know, and definitely about 
how scary weaponizing sound can be. <laughs> I, I learned that whales are pissed off at us. I still think it's the whales. Yeah. <laughs> like it's I learned Trek that a, a burlesque a burlesque Trump is both intriguing and incredibly frightening to imagine. Yeah, it let's is, not go like there. <laughs> Do what now? We had a Statue of Liberty and also um, a burlesque dinosaur one. Can you anybody find this online? Like, is there a video of it? I wonder. I, uh, you know what? Let me. Maybe Send I don't think. Actually, I don't think there is. Site. Yeah, I would check it. I would check it up, and I maybe put a link to it on my my Instagram if I am able to find it. Right on. All right. Once again, Christine, thank you so much for calling in today. Um, Dee, we didn't announce in the beginning of the show our next episode, which will be in two weeks of The Funny Thing About Politics. We will have be having that friendly fascist, the ruler of the universe, Vermin Supreme on. So I'm looking forward to that, Fern. Have oh, yeah. It's, it's not boot to the head. It's boot on the head. Boot on the head. Very nice. And I think we're also... Um, Having some other guests coming up. I'll have to post a whole schedule. We've got so much going on. All righty, guys. I want to thank you for tuning in today. I hope you learned something between the extremes. Um, and we will see you in two weeks with Vermin Supreme. Goodbye, guys. Hey,